I want to talk this morning about four judgments. If you'd get your Bibles open. And I want to kind of expound on what we're doing with this judgment play. And I want people to understand through the Bible what the Bible means when it talks about judgment. We're doing this play and we're doing it on purpose so that people will think now what their future is going to be. How many know that that's very important that we stop now and think? How many people do you think? Well, actually, I can tell you how many, 100%. How many people are in hell this morning wishing that they would have thought ahead, changed some things in their life, made some different decisions, and I guarantee you there's no one in hell this morning that would like to stay there. If we could give the microphone to a person for one minute, they would quickly tell you, don't live in this world, don't serve the devil, don't, don't do the things you're doing, Get away. it's not worth it, amen. They would, they would yell at us and scream and say, please don't come to this place that I'm in. And we talked a little bit last night as we get into this, I want to go backwards and then end up today or sorry, I should say forwards to the final judgment and then come back to where we are today so that we know what's ahead of us and we know how to be able to, when that day comes, stand in the right place. How many have ever been standing in the wrong place at the wrong time? So God wants us to be standing in the right place at the right time. So stay in John, but I want to read a quick verse that's actually in our play and it's out of Hebrews 9.27 and it's, a powerful verse that says it is appointed unto man to die once. Okay, and so that totally refutes the belief that there is any incarnation, reincarnation. The Bible says we die once. Amen. Amen. We're only given one chance. There's an old saying, you're only given one chance to spend your life like a coin. Spend it wisely. And so you only have one life. You're not going to get to do this again and try to fix some things that you messed up the first time. This is it. So Jesus says in the word, it is appointed unto man once to die. Then the Bible says, then comes judgment. Okay, I didn't write that verse. It's in the Bible. And so God says, we're going to live one life. And when we breathe our last breath, then we are going to be judged for the life that we have lived. So let's look at John chapter 5, verse 24. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, these are Jesus' words, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Watch this. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, <clears throat> excuse me, and now is, where the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority, watch this, to ex execute judgment also. Why? Because he is the Son of Man. Don't marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come forth, watch this, those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Okay? So remember that Jesus said in his word in Matthew 25, 41. This is really important to understand. Because a lot of people say, well, would a loving God send? This is a big hiccup. A big obstacle for a lot of people. 
Would God send, a, a loving God send someone to hell? How many have heard that? I'm, I'm sure if you've ran into anybody, they've said that. And, 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 and they, they don't want to believe that hell is an actual place. And I talked about this a little last night, and this is not the message to just talk about hell. But obviously, we need to understand that if we don't choose Christ today and live for Christ today, that is the expected place of somebody who rejects Jesus Christ. And some people will say, well, I, I don't believe in what they call annihilation. It means that there's a belief that, that there is a hell. But that you would go there like in our play, they're dragged into hell, they're thrown into hell, they did not know God, and then they, they would just burn and they would be done. There would be a horrible experience, but they would just burn and then it would be over. Life would be over and hell would end. But the Bible does not say that. I, I would like to try to believe that one and it would be a good belief. It would make everybody feel better. But it's not what the Bible says. Because of the verse that I have up on that wall over there that you can see better obviously in the play... And I felt led by God to put it up there, which is Mark 9, 44. You can't read it real good because it's a black light writing. But Jesus refuted that belief that annihilation, we would go to hell and burn if we rejected Christ and just die. He said, hell is a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So it is an eternal, and you'll see that in the book of Revelation as well. It is eternal, eternal judgment. It is an eternal Damnation. It is an eternal condemnation. It, it says where the fire does not go out and smoke comes up forever. And so how many know that forever is a very, very long time? Longer than our mind can even expect or understand, I should say, or, or even fathom. And so some people say, well, y'all doing this play or people talk about hell because you're trying to scare people into living right. And I think, well, it's yeah. Yeah, if I was heading towards a, a cliff, I'd want someone to tell me there's a cliff down there. Don't go off of it. Amen. I'd like somebody to tell me the train's coming. Get off the tracks. Right. Is anybody else that way? We can, we can stand here all day long as a church, as believers, as a people and say, I don't want to believe that. And we can say, out of sight, out of mind. Hell does not exist. And you can, like many people have, just make yourself believe that. Right. And the devil will help you. Think that as you're maybe making some choices in your life that are leading you to a wrong road, the devil will say, come on, man, that place isn't really real. God's love. He'll forgive you. And there's all kinds of things the devil doing that could kind of portray that in the play where he's pushing us in and causing us to be tempted and working on us. Amen. But I want you to know this morning that the final judgment church is God says there's two places that we're going to spend eternity. Some people don't even believe in eternal life. They're going to believe. Some people say, well, I think the lights are going to go off and it's going to be over. And if they're right, then we're all not going to have nothing to lose. If the lights are going to go off, we're going to die. It's done. This life was all we had. Then none of us have anything to lose. But if we're right in what we believe in the Bible and when the, we breathe our last breath, we wake up in one of two places then we better know where we're going. We better know what the Bible says about those places and we better know how we're supposed to live to be in the right place. I mean, a lot of people are waking up when they die in hell and realizing not only is it real, but this is not where I wanted to spend eternity. So Jesus said these words. 
In Matthew 25, 41, he said, Hell's everlasting fire. I mean, if Jesus said everlasting, it means everlasting. Hell's everlasting fire was made for the devil and his angels. Okay, so God's intent was that the devil who rebelled against him way before creation in heaven and the fallen angels, one-third of the angels who followed him, even the angels have free will. Can you believe that? Isn't that amazing that God would let us choose? How many know some people this morning that are choosing the wrong way? Y'all still with me? All right. God gives us free will. He says, I give you two choices, life and death. But he says, I say you should choose life. Amen. Amen. So he says, I did, not, I did not make hell for people. I made hell for the devil and his angels. And so people say, would a loving God send me to hell? No, God does not send people to hell. People send themselves to hell when they reject the plan of salvation. How many prisons are in Texas? A lot. How many prisons are around the world? A lot. Who are those prisons made for? People who do not obey the law. Amen. Now, again, I, I know how some people think. I said it last night at the altar call. Well, you know, some people are in prison. They shouldn't be. Yes, that, that's, that goes without saying. There are some mistakes, I'm sure. There are some people in prison today. We've heard stories that they were wrongly accused, and they're in prison. But in general, prison is made for people who do not abide by the laws of the land. And if people get into prison, it's because they disobeyed. Prison was not made for a law-abiding citizen who lives according to the law. Now, I'm not comparing that to the law of the Bible, okay? I'm giving you an example. Prison was made for, and, and, and just like hell today, they don't have enough room in the prisons for all the people. And it's an amazing thing how people can go to prison and somehow like it. And go back, get out, and go back again. Get out and go back again. Well, the thing is with hell is you're not going to get out. There's no getting out and going back. There's no purgatory. There's no place you go and you're suspended and someone can pray for you. When you breathe your last breath, judgment comes. And according to your life and your faith in or not in Jesus Christ, that is going to determine your eternity. Your eternity. And it's a long time. And there's two types of people this morning. If you're taking notes as we go along in these judgments, and I'm going to go ahead and turn this off. One is... Sheep. The other is goats. You want to be a sheep this morning, not a goat. I'll explain that in a minute. Number one, first, first type is those who are, there's two types of judgments. This is often number one, okay? The final judgment. In the final judgment, there will be two types. The one is for salvation. A judgment of salvation. The second is a judgment of condemnation. We just saw that in the verse we read earlier, okay? Simple. So there's two places we're going. We're either going to heaven or we're going to hell. Humanity is either going to heaven or going to hell. There is no third place. There's two places. There's two roads. The Bible says one leads to everlasting life and one leads to everlasting condemnation. Amen? And again, in your mind, get it right and get it straight. God's will is for everyone. 
on the face of this earth and that he's ever created to spend eternity with him. Don't think because hell exists and because people go there that God does not love everybody and does not want everybody in heaven with him. He is a father who loves his children, but he's a father who has rules and has things established and we choose to spend their eternity with him or we reject him. God loves us. He has a place prepared for us. And it's good to understand what the other side of the decision is. Because we're warning we're still alive. If you're still alive this morning, it's God's grace that you are. It's God's grace that you still have an opportunity. <coughs> sorry, to get your life together. To make sure you're living right. It's God's grace that we can do a play like this. And bring people in and make them at least think. Some of us have said on different means of media. We've said you've been warned. I was reading something this morning where somebody was mad that they were being invited to the play. Mad, stop inviting me to these things. And one of our people in love said, hey, we're only doing this to warn people. I'd rather have you mad at me now than mad at me on the day of judgment that you didn't tell me that there was a place called hell. That there was a place that those who reject Jesus go to. Salvation, number one, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, for we must all, say all. How many is all? That means everyone. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you, if you want to know where you need to be at the end, that's where you need to be. You do not want to be at the next one. You want to be over there. Doesn't take a too, much, too smart of a person to look at these two places and figure out where you want to go. Amen? The judgment seat of Christ is where you want to be. Yes, you're still going to be judged. But that's the good judgment. Because the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Watch this. That each one may receive the things done in the body. So we are going to give an account for our lives to Jesus. But it's not going to be an account for damnation or salvation. If we're in the judgment seat of Christ, we are saved. It's not that we're going to be judged there and God is going to say, okay, you don't line up or you didn't make it and send us to hell. If you're in the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to spend eternity with God. But what it's going to be determined, as the Bible says here, is you're going to be judged according to what you've done, good or bad. Okay? Now what mean, bad means is not going to be sin because sin is not going to be held against you. There will be no sin mentioned in the judgment seat of Christ because you're under the blood of Jesus and because it's been forgiven. And the Bible says, if I confess my sins, Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive me of all of my sins. Amen. And cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. So there'll be no sins. You won't have to worry about those things coming up. But good or bad means you're going to see the opportunities you had to share your faith. To love other people, to serve other people, to witness, to do things for the kingdom of God. Some people in church today just want to come and fill a seat. And some people, church, are going to just barely, have you ever seen a baseball game where they slide in safe to home and it takes the umpire a few seconds to think about if they're safe or out? That's how some people are going to get into heaven. God's going to stay safe. And the dust from Peter putting the fire extinguisher on your behind as you walk into heaven is going to make you, you're going to barely get in. I'm not talking to anybody here tonight. But that's the case. 
I don't want to slide into heaven, amen? I want to run into heaven. I want to be triumphant in heaven. I want God to say, enter in good and faithful servant, amen? I want to do something for God. But there are going to be some people that are going to slide in. So some people here, even now, would say, well, I'll be good just to get there. I don't think that's the right attitude. I'll just, if I just make it. Come on. So good or bad, what I've done or haven't done for the Lord. Second one. In the first judgment, it's condemnation. This is where you do not want to be. This is where this play makes us think. Revelation 20, verses 12 to 15. Go there quickly with me. Get your Bibles out. Turn there with me. I want you to see these verses, please. Some will go to salvation. Some will go to condemnation. God does not choose that. Please understand that God does not choose who goes where we do. There's a false doctrine preached today where people believe falsely. It's not God's character. It's not God's word that God chooses. This one's going to hell. This one's going to heaven. This one's predestined to heaven. That one's predestined to hell. There is a difference between God knowing in his omnipotent power In his omniscience of all knowing, there's a difference between him knowing who's going to heaven and hell and him choosing who's going to heaven and hell. That's a false doctrine. That's not God's word. There is no way that God in heaven would choose and say that person's going to hell. No. Here people will use the example. Can I stay on this just for a second? I feel like someone needs to hear this. Here's the example. Well, you know, look at Judas. Judas had to be used. Judas had to betray Jesus. Many people will talk about Judas's life and say Judas betrayed Jesus. And so, you know, Jesus used him to betray him. And so he was damned already. No, he wasn't. He was used to betray him because he knew he would. Somebody had to betray him. But Judas chose to hang himself. God did not hang Judas. If Judas would have turned around as he did halfway He turned the silver back in. He said, I can't take this money. This is blood money. He halfway repented. He started off right. He gave the money back. And as he gave the money back, the spirit of God was probably dealing dealing with him and say, now go back to Jesus and say you're sorry. And he'll restore you and he'll redeem you. But no, Judas listened to the voice of the devil and went and hung himself. He chose to turn away from God. If he would have repented, he would be in heaven today. How many get what I'm saying? And if you don't believe that, it's exactly what Peter did. Peter denied him three times, not just once. And three times Jesus had him confess him back. And Peter is an apostle of Jesus Christ, a mighty man of God. He's on the 12 thrones of judgment, amen, because he repented. It's a choice. Nobody is going to be in hell that did not choose to go to hell. And nobody is going to be in heaven that did not choose to go to heaven. It's our choice. And it comes down to us. Revelation 20 says, And I saw the dead, verse 12, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. So quickly, stop there. The idea with this play, as you see, is the book of life is here. This has the names. There's two books. This is the names. The other book is the works. Everything we do is written down. Now, in the, in the judgment, great white throne judgment, it's everything. Everything, everything. 
But in the judgment seat of Christ, again, the sin will not be there. It will be the good and the bad that we did for the kingdom of God. But in this throne, throne, great white throne judgment we're talking about, the Bible talks about, these books are going to be open. And the reason we use the screen is it's to give people an idea that that's what's going to happen in heaven. Their life is going to flash before them. God is going to show them all of their life. There will be no excuses. Well, no one told me or this didn't happen. God will pause the screen and say, look, someone witnessed to you. I did miracles in your life. I changed your, I, I restored your marriage. I gave you a job. He's going to go all through these things. All these times that people go, oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, this. Oh, all these excuses. There will be no excuses on the great white throne judgment. Because this is not a court of man that can make mistakes. This is the court of God. And God is perfect. And he's just. And he's sovereign. Amen. Amen. And that's a good thing. But he says here, the great books will be, will be brought out. And the dead were judged, watch this, according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades, that's hell, delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, watch this, each according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast in to the lake of fire. This is the second death. Meaning, the first death is physical. See, when we die, my mammal was just buried. The Bible says in Psalms that the death of the saints is a beautiful thing. Because that's the first death. It's one death. If we're in Jesus Christ, we'll only die once. There will not be a second death. Second death is a spiritual death. Amen. You don't want to be in that second death. But it'll be too late. And Watch this. And anyone... Who can, whose name is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So how many understand those, those, that judgment? The final judgment. That is going to happen to every person who's ever lived. Ever. And you, yourself, have something that's very clear in the play, are going to have to stand to, for, before God. I, myself... I'm going to have to stand before God for me. For me. We tried in this play to make sure that we thought of all kinds of different scenarios that people can try to come up with. Do you notice that how we are as human beings? Well, what about this situation? Well, you know, that's what we're always trying to see what we can get away with. Always trying to find a loophole. You might find a loophole in the government or in your job or in your apartment lease, but you're not going to find no loopholes in God. God is perfect. God is just. And he's got a plan for us, and it's very clear. And we got to listen to it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Or woe is me. Amen. Second judgment. That's the end. Second judgment is very close. It's the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is a judgment on this earth. Okay? Okay? Go with me, if you would, to Matthew 25. How many are getting something so far? Matthew 25. And as you're getting there, I'm going to make a very bold statement this morning. And I'm not just talking about this church, trust me. I'm talking about worldwide. Not everyone who goes to church is going to go in the rapture. I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. I'm saying it because it's the truth. 
You don't get saved because you're here this morning with the Bible on your lap. It's a relationship. It's a walk. And if some of you are feeling a little uneasy as I'm preaching this message, good. It's okay. Because I'm very passionate, if you know me, about this kind of subject. Because this subject is the reason I'm still standing here today. Really. I'm the kind of person who needs to get hit over the head. I don't know if there's anybody else in here like that. I'm the kind of person who needs to be known the end result of my actions before I do it. I got saved in a revival on a Tuesday night when that evangelist was preaching what the old people would say, fire and brimstone. Some of you might have been raised in a church where they preached that or you might have heard it. And some people just don't like it. Oh, I don't like that fire and brimstone. Let me tell you something. Fire and brimstone needs to come back into the church. Because it scares people to live a life that's holy and righteous. Because the Bible says it's a scary thing to fall into the hands of a living God. That was a good place to say amen, but y'all missed it. I'm 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 not beating you over the head. I'm warning you that God is real. Eternity's real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And the rapture of the church is real. And it's the next event that's going to happen. We've been preaching about it for a long time. It could happen today. It could happen next week. It could happen before this play happens tonight. The rapture of the church is the next event prophetically that's going to happen. And it is going to judge this world. Think back to the Old Testament. What were the judgments? There were many. There were two large judgments in the Old Testament. One was Noah. The flood. The flood came down. God said, I wish I would not have made man. That's a pretty sad statement. I wish I would not have made man. He repented for making us because we're so wicked. You know, as we go forward, it's good to understand that we're wicked. That's a good thing. We need to make sure we understand that we are we are wicked people. We're born into sin. We're selfish. We're mean. We're angry. Some of y'all saying, you're describing my husband or my wife, amen? No, all of us. All of us. We are wicked people. We are messed up. We're lost. And we can change, amen? We need to become more like Jesus. And that's less like this world. But he said, I wish I wouldn't have made this world. And the flood came and he destroyed the entire world except Noah and his family. That was judgment. The second judgment that came in the Old Testament was what? Sodom and Gomorrah. He judged an entire city. He said this, 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 the wickedness of this city is so bad. It's coming up in, in heaven. I hear the, I, it's, I can't stand it. I can't deal with this. You've got to understand, God hates sin. He hates rebellion. He hates pride. And you say, oh, you're using hate in the church? Yes, it's in the Bible. Amen. He hates sin. We need to love the sinner, hate the sin. Amen. He say amen. Yeah. And so... He said, I can't stand this anymore. And he said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham said, God, if there's 50 righteous people in that city, will you not destroy it? And God said, I won't destroy it if there's 50 righteous people. Guess what? There wasn't 50 righteous people. Today, church, listen, I'm trying to get us to understand that this walk we're walking is a narrow one. It's not the walk that the church world portrays today. It's a narrow one. And we have to walk that narrow road. And we have to respect God. And we have to walk in holiness and righteousness. We have to love God and hate sin. 
Because Jesus said, and I read this Wednesday night, when I return, will I find faith on this earth? We're a world that is so caught up with ourselves, self-indulgence and sin. You see, all the, I don't have to go into all the things that are happening in the world today. All the, all the demonic forces that are being unleashed. All the situations and decisions that are being made. All the things that are being praised. Sin is being praised. People who stand up for God are looked down on. We are living in days that I believe are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And the next judgment that is going to come upon this earth is going to be the judgment of this world through the rapture of the church. We are those righteous people. If we're looking, the Bible says, I am coming for those who love my appearing. That means we're looking for it. We're not going to be walking in darkness and be caught off guard. We're looking for it. I'm watching every day. I say, Lord, today, even so come, Lord Jesus. I don't want anything to do with this world. I definitely don't want to be here when the tribulation starts. But the great tribulation is going to be a judgment upon this world. Because they did not put their faith in Jesus. And he's going to judge his own people, the Jewish people, for rejecting him and for killing him. And the world is going to reap the, the, the consequences of the Jewish people. They will be saved through it. But the world will be tried. And you can imagine this morning, and this is just, I'm just going to take just a couple minutes on it. You've heard me many times preach messages on this. But you can just imagine this morning that in this twinkling of an eye, in a moment, millions and millions of people disappear from the face of the earth raptured in the church in, in the rapture taken to heaven to be taken out of the judgment of this world because we watched because we were looking and when that happens church look with me real quick in matthew 25 this is the clearest thing in the bible about this say amen if you're there verse one the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Stop for a moment quickly. Ten virgins, ten believers. Not five believers and five unbelievers. Not five worldly people and five Christians. Ten virgins. Ten believers. Ten people who believe they've been given the garments. They've, they've been washed in the blood. Because... As I stop here for a second to chase a rabbit, as another thing we deal, dealt with in the, in the play, there are another false doctrine is that you cannot lose your salvation. Right. I didn't, thank you, Paul, for that one lonely right. <laughs> God does not take the salvation from us. We walk away from God. We turn away from God. Read Hebrews 6. Read the Bible. Look at the verses where it says, you have known, you have tasted. Oh, they'll say, well, they were never saved. That's a lie. I can tell you from my own personal walk, I got saved at seven or eight years old in a camp, in a kid's camp. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. God touched me. I knew God was real. I had parents who took me to church, but at eight years old, I knew God was real. I knew Jesus was the Son of God. I knew Him. 
Then life begin to happen. Circumstances begin to, situations begin to happen. Bad choices begin to happen. And as I walked through my life, I got to high school. Some of you know the story. Not justifying, not blaming it. But I had some rough, some rough leadership that were supposed to be godly and weren't. I'd have stood before God and not had that as an excuse, but it was mine. And in, in, in high school, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I'd go party, I'd go do things that I knew I shouldn't have done. I was with women, I did all kinds of things, I cussed, I fought, I was bad, 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 bad. And I'd go home at night, 3 o'clock in the morning, my parents didn't know what I was doing. It's embarrassing, with my daughters here to listen to this, thank God they don't do that. I know where my, parents, my kids are. They want to spend time with us more than they do with anybody else, thank God. But, it's not my parents' fault. I made choices. I knew Jesus. I'd go home at night at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd be crying because the Holy Spirit of a God who saved me and I believed in was telling me, stop partying. Stop going out. Stop doing the things you're doing. And every night I'd say, okay, God, I'm going to. But I'd wake up the next morning and do it again. And do it again. And do it again. And do it again. And listen to me clearly. I have no doubt in my mind that if I'd have died while I was in high school, if I'd have been at one of those parties when bullets were flying, if I'd have gotten a car accident, I would have gone to hell, not to heaven, because I said a prayer at eight years old and got an eternal ticket to heaven that you cannot lose. I turned away from God. I made choices. I chose the world over a righteous life with Jesus. Do not let the devil or false doctrine fool you this morning. You must keep and take care of the salvation that God has freely given you. Can you say amen? You must take care of it. You must not trample the blood of Jesus. And so in this part, he says, verse 2, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. That's a whole other message I can't even get into. But the wise took oil in their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, right now we are in the moment of the bridegroom being delayed. We are the bride. We are the church. We're waiting for his return. We are the bride. He's the bridegroom. And right now, there's nothing left that needs to happen to stop the trumpet from sounding. He's being delayed right now. This is a dangerous moment. It's a dangerous time for the church because we must stay busy. We must stay working. We must stay doing because we can be tired and say, well, I've done and I've got, I'm good. And, and, and it seems like nothing's really crazy happening in the world right now. It says, while the bridegroom delayed, they slumbered and slept. They fell asleep. Let me make a statement. The church today is asleep. The church is not doing anything. And again, I'm talking in general. If, this, if the church would wake up and do what the church has called it to do, we would see a revival. But we're too busy. We're too occupied with the things of this world. We're too occupied with media. We're too occupied with hobbies. We're too occupied with self-indulgence. And God says, I need a church to rise up. I need some men and women to rise up and be the church that I've called them to be. I shed my blood for you. I need more people to get saved. I need more people to know me. But I need the church to wake up. 
out of their slumber and serve me because we can rest when we get to heaven. Have your hobby when you get to heaven. There'll be plenty of time and plenty of things to do. There's going to be a gold-plated rim and a nice gold-plated court to play basketball on for me. And every time I switch the ball, flakes are going to fly off the gold net, Brian. Can you say amen? At midnight was a cry. And the bridegroom is coming, it says. Go out to meet him. All the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise said, no, lest there not be enough for us. You go, but rather, sell, rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. That'd be that people running back to church. Oh, God, please. Oh, church, I'm telling you this thing, this building right here is going to be packed the day after the rapture. A lot of people who've come in now these doors are going to be on this altar. Oh, God, what happened? Oh, God, is it too late? He says, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in. Those who were what? Those who were what? Ready. Ready. Went in. And the door was shut. In our play, we have, I was trying to find a sound that it would shake this place. And thank God, halfway through the play, we got it right. And it shook this place when that iron door shut on hell. When that, day, when that door shuts, it cannot be opened. The Bible says when God opens a door, it can't be shut. And when he shuts a door, it cannot be opened. You better get in while that door's open. You better take the day. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Watch this. So he says, watch therefore. Oh, sorry, I missed the verse. Verse 11. Afterward, the other virgins came saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. Don't you think they were slamming their hands on the door, on the, on the ark of, of, of Noah, when that rain began to come down? And all of a sudden, they believed. See, they had never seen rain before. They'd never seen drops of rain. They didn't know what a flood was. Let me tell you something. There's never been a rapture of a church before. But when it happens, there's going to be some believers. And they're going to be wishing that door was still open. Because when all hell breaks loose on this earth, and martial law begins to come out, and the mark of the beast begins to put in place, and the food supply disappears, oh, I wish that door was still open. And you begin to compare was the drugs I did, was the cigarettes I smoked, was the people I ran with, was the stupidity I did, was all that worth what I'm fixing to go through right now? I don't think so. Oh, they're going to wish they wouldn't have done all that stupid stuff. Oh, they're going to wish they'd have got serious with God. Amen? We've seen economic collapse. We saw the Great Depression. The Great Depression is going to look like a very prosperous day compared to when the economy collapses probably next year. And cash money will mean nothing. And when the... Y'all still with me? And when the EMP comes, electromagnetic pulse. I'm not, I'm not saying this. This is facts, church. Our government says our weakest point right now in our entire nation is our electromagnetic pulse. It can be cyber hacked. Every light that's on in here, everything that runs your car, everything that runs the internet, everything that runs your phone, everything that runs everything that we have and use in this United States runs on a grid. And it can be hacked and that grid would go down in exactly one second. And from one day to the next, we would go from life as it is now 
to a whole other world. People would be looting. You have to ask yourself the question, what, how, much, how much would that food that you have in your freezer be worth to somebody who has some kids that are hungry? Think about it. I'm not saying that to scare you. Go look at the news. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's a fact. And they say there's about, if somebody is good at storing food and has quite a bit of food in their house, even in that case, if they've got a lot in their fridge, a lot in their freezer, food can only last so long. Say, on average, food will last 20 to 30 days. So after about a month, oh, I wish that door was still open. Man, I wish I could get through that door. You start weighing it out. There ain't nobody that's going to be wishing they'd still stay doing what they were doing. Matter of fact, when the Great Tribulation starts, guess what hobbies are, guess what hobbies are going to be going on? There's going to be a new hobby. It's going to be called finding food. You know, they're going to be fishing a lot. But the only problem with that is the water's going to be messed up. Mark of the beast. You got a kid in here? What if your kid's sick? Not too long ago, my daughter had an appendectomy. If we were in the tribulation and she needed that appendectomy, she'd have died. Because I'd have had to take the mark of the beast to get the help. But if you have, I don't know about you, even though my daughter's older, it doesn't matter if they're a baby or older, boy, that would have been a tough decision to be in that hospital room. She's dying in pain. She's killed over, crying. It hurt me as it was, knowing she was going to get fixed. How many people are going to condemn and damn themselves for hell when they take that mark that the Bible says if you do that, you're done. How many people are going to do that when, when their child needs an appendectomy and the doctor says, we can't do this, sir, unless you take the mark. We have a new system now. So if you don't take it, she's going to die. Tough decision. Third, third one, I'll move on. That one got heavy. How many love Jesus? How many are thankful for the blood? Oh, if the world could hear this. We're trying. We're trying to get them to know. We're trying to get them to listen. Oh, don't judge me. Oh, don't tell me about some place. Oh, that's, oh, you want me to come to a thing that's called judgment and the church? That's real attractive. This world, man. The third one, and I'm going to finish up, run through this quickly. I need another service for this. Did my watch stop? Oh, boy, you guys are in trouble. I thought it was, what time is it? What time is it? 11.20? Oh, okay, just a few minutes ago. This thing gets caught sometimes. There we go. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> the third one is the judgment of the Holy Spirit. Judgment of the Holy Spirit. Now, this can go two ways. It's the Holy Spirit judging our actions, but it's also the Holy Spirit dealing with us. I told you in my life when I was in high school and I was making those bad choices, so you hear that voice, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. God will never leave you. God loved, in this play, God loved those people all the way into hell and never stopped loving them. It's like a child with a parent, or a parent, sorry, with a child who's rebellious and living wrong and doing things that are horrible and things that are not right. That, that parent never stops loving that child. But he can't love what they're doing. 
And so the Spirit of God deals with us. And I don't have time to go into this, but if you write down Acts chapter 5, there's an example in the Bible about lying to the Holy Spirit. We can fool our wives. We can fool our husbands. We can fool our friends. But you can't fool God. The Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's here right now. And if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll say, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not, that's not convenient. That's taking you down what's called a slippery slope. There was a lady, some of y'all heard me say this, a girl, sorry, at a picnic. True story. It was up in the mountains. And there was a sign in the, down the road. It said, slippery slope. Said it. Danger ahead. The father said, don't go near that sign. Don't go over there. Stay away from it. Don't go anywhere near that area. Because if you get there to that area, there's a slippery slope. And if you get to that slippery slope, if there's a certain place that you get to, and when you get there, you are not coming back up. It's too slippery. That's kind of like what God does with his word. He's, he's teaching us and he's warning us and he's telling us and he's Holy Spirit's convicting us. There's a slippery slope down there. Don't keep doing that. You can't keep making those decisions. There's a slippery slope ahead. And he warns us and he warns us and he warns us. And there is a place in a person's life that only God knows. I don't know it. You don't know it. God knows it. Where a person gets to a place, they cannot turn back. Not that God would not lull them, not that God would not love them, not that God would not try, but they, too slippery. And this girl got to that place, went past the sign, and fell to it 400 feet to her death. True story. Lost her daughter. Because she went to that place, she listened, she was warned. God warns us, hey, just love me. Just keep your heart pure. Just listen to the Holy Spirit when he tells you, don't do that. You're not going to go to hell this morning for a lie or a mistake you make or a bad thought or something you do one time. You're not going to, God's not up there going, okay, I can't wait till artists till you make a mistake. As soon as you, as soon as you make that mistake, I'm going to get you. I'm going to come, I'm going to rapture, I'm going to rapture as soon as artist, as soon as Dwayne makes a mistake. That's what he's doing. He wants us to make it. He's not waiting for us to fall and make, make a mistake, but it's when we make a mistake that goes unrepented and unconfessed. And then the next day I wake up and do another one and I continue and I continue and I continue to do wrong and to turn away and to disobey the voice of the judgment of the Holy Spirit. Because see, it's better to be judged by the Holy Spirit by our actions here than on the day of judgment. See, he judges us by his spirit. That's why sometimes you cry at the altar and you weep and you say, God, I'm so sorry. That's, that's a God heart. That's judgment of the Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to get you right now. I'm going to fix you right now so you won't have to stand before me on the day it's too late. Learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That story goes in to talk about Ananias and Sapphira. The church was being built. They sell, they sell the possession of their land. And they give the money to the church. And this is a crazy story because some people say, how in the world did they get judged because they gave to the church? It was not that they gave to the church. It was that they lied about what they gave. We sold our, our land for 20000 I come in and, oh, hey, I sold my car for $20,000. And I gave it all to the church. Well, they had every right to sell their land for 20000 and give 1000 if they wanted. Give 5000 
But they lied. He said, I gave it all. Peter said, how much did you give? Oh, I gave it all. All I had to do was say, I gave five. I gave it all, Peter. He says, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And he dropped dead right in front of him. You better be thankful, and I better be thankful for the grace of the Holy Spirit today. They were dropping dead in the New Testament. His wife, Sapphira, walks in behind him, and Peter says, hey, how much y'all give? Be careful that you lie together as a couple. Make sure one of y'all tell the truth. How much did you give, Sapphira? Oh, we gave it all, Peter. Oh, that's funny, Sapphira. Because the men who are burying your husband are coming back into the door dead. Lying to the Holy Spirit. The other side of the coin is Joseph was in that house with Potiphar's wife. Potiphar said, sleep with me. Potiphar's wife, sorry, sleep with me. Joseph said, no. And he ran out of that place because the Holy Spirit said, don't stay here. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Some people, oh, he, went, he still went to jail. He still went to prison. Yeah, the world will get you. But be right with God. Do what's right in God's eyes. Amen? Pride is always the greatest problem of the world. Finally, personal judgment. This is the best one. I'm going to end right here. This is, the, this is the biggest one. This is you judging yourself. How many know it's better to judge yourself than to have God judge you? You ever heard, heard the saying, I'm my worst own critic, I'm my own worst critic? That's good. Especially when it comes to things of God. Judge yourself. 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32 says, For if we, watch this, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's a pretty powerful statement. I'm going to end with some good news here, guys. Y'all looking at me like, killed somebody. Amen? If we will judge ourselves... We will not be judged. That means that I repent of my sins or don't do them better even still, but I make a mistake and I repent before I get in trouble for it. And then I confess it when God says, hey, did you do that? I confess it before. I, I examine myself. I'm my own worst critic. I'm, I'm walking the, I'm, I'm walk, oh, that's legalistic. Oh, that's, no, it's safe. I like to be on the safe side. Oh, should I drink? I don't drink at all. Nothing, not even wine. I don't drink at all. Why? Because I'm going to be safe. I'm not going to get close to anything that appears evil. That's just an example. I'm just giving an example. I'm staying away from anything that could pop. If, if, if we have to sit down and talk about it, you think it's wrong? Well, I think, yeah, I do. If you have to do that, stay away from it. Stay away from it. If there's anybody, especially if you've got Christians trying to justify it. Stay away from it. We would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. That we may not be condemned with the world. Musicians, you can come. Watch this again. Now, don't shut me off when I say that. Let, let me read this verse again. I hope you wrote that down. Verse Corinthians 11, 31, 32. This is powerful scripture. If we would judge ourselves. So God is saying, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You, 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 you. See, what we do is we go around, we go, hey, do you think it's wrong to do this? 
hey, hey, Brian, you think we can leave after this and go get, you know, get, get, get high or something? And Brian might be like, yeah, we could do that. And so I'm good because I found somebody I can sin with. Right. And we can still come back tonight and do the judgment play. Hey, you think I should? Oh, I'm not going to go there. I'll stop. I'll, I'm not going to go there. Go ahead. Nah, I've already been too heavy today. But you get what I'm trying to say. Should I do that? The fact that you're asking is probably you're already past the Holy Spirit dealing with you on it. He's already convicted you. He's already said don't do it. But your flesh says if I can just go find somebody to say it's okay, then I can do it. That's the sin in itself. Because what's wrong for me might not be wrong for somebody else. What's wrong for you might not be wrong for somebody else. But if God convicted me of what you're doing, it's sin if I do it. Because he convicted me and said, don't do that. I'm going to get what I'm saying. It's personal. It's personal. So he says, if, if you'll just judge yourself before I do, it's kind of like a parent who says, hey, I'm going to give you a few minutes to tell the truth. If you'll tell me the truth, if you'll confess and be honest, tell me you did it, we'll just talk about it and I won't punish you. How many of you ever had your parents do that? Give you a chance. God says, if you'll just judge yourself, because think about this for a second. Don't lose me. I thank God my dad spanked me. My dad spanked me when I was a kid. I, heard, I think I heard a kid getting spanked this morning. It makes me happy. It makes me happy. When I hear, I heard a kid get up and they said, oh no. I love that. Oh no. We, if we, I'm telling you, this generation has not been spanked. And look at this generation. It needs a whooping. This generation needs a whooping. But think about this. Why I'm saying this? Because when my dad would say, when we get home, how many heard those words? Be in the car, be 20 minutes from home. Dad, just spank me right now, please. When we get home, I want you to go up to my room. I want you to get that belt. And I want you to sit there and wait for me. Think about this. Follow me. That was worse than the spanking itself. I'm going to get what I'm saying. The whole thinking about it, the whole, what, what, what my dad was doing was he was giving me a long time to think about what I'd done. So the next time I would think about it before I did it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's saying here, judge yourself. Listen to my Holy Spirit. Examine yourself so I won't have to spank you. Amen. Because the fear itself of God, of a living God, a real God, is enough. I don't have to, I don't know about you, but I don't have to be on that judgment day in hell or the white throne judgment to be scared that I don't want to go there. I'm smarter than that. Some people are hard-headed. And they're just going to go, well, I'm just going to go try it out. Well, the problem is it's too late. Hard-headed. Hard-headed all the way. 
He says, if you judge yourselves, you won't be judged. Watch this. But when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord that we may be condemned with the world. That old saying, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Oh, kids hate that. But any parents that have had kids now understand it. God doesn't want to punish us. He doesn't want to spank us. What makes a parent happy is when the kid does right. And don't have to spank them. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 13 says, watch this, examine yourselves. Whether you're in the faith. See, we go around saying, hey, that person, man, they're a good Christian. Oh, I don't think they're going to heaven. We go around doing that. We, we judge, we test. Ain't nobody know if they're saved or not but them. Because this suit and tie does not save me this morning. Me carrying a Bible in my hand does not save me this morning. My own personal walk, when I get tempted by the devil to do something in my car or my house or in the middle of the night or whatever it is, that's where I test my faith to see if I'm in the faith. We have way too much hypocrisy going on today and we got a church world, whitewashed tombs. Y'all know what that means? I mean, look good on the outside, the wicked on the inside. Jesus called them, y'all, to whitewash tombs. So he says, test yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. So we qualify and disqualify ourselves. He says, I'm glad when you're weak because when you're weak, you're actually strong. He says, and we pray that you would be made complete. Those are the four judgments, church. The final one comes backwards to today. Where you stand on that final day of judgment depends on what you do today. How many understand that? Why? Because tomorrow's not promised. Life is like a vapor. At any moment, our life can end. We're so good at putting things off. Well, I'm going to get that right next week. Well, I'm just going to, like we saw in the play, I'm just going to party a little longer. I've got time. I'll get, you know, being a good Christian is for those old folks. I need to live a little. How many in here have lived a little and realized it's not worth the aches, the pains, and the consequences? Let's, let's pray this morning. Father.